0: What if it was possible to have local fresh groceries delivered right to your door? Think of all the free time you'd have. Well, Instacart gives unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. Forgot that special ingredient in your favorite dish? Instacart can deliver it to your front door in as fast as one hour. You can shop multiple stores, see deals in your area, and save time and money. I've been using Instacart for over three years. I started using them in Arizona, and I'm using them here in Florida. I love the time-saving convenience. They pick the freshest products, and they keep my eggs safe too. To receive your first delivery free, follow the link in the show notes so that Instacart knows that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. It's here, our Empowered Within bonus clips and behind-the-scenes videos from podcast episodes. You can check out the pre-show, the post-show, and everything in between that doesn't actually make it into the podcast episodes. Head over to jenniferpilates.com, click podcast, and click watch videos, and you can watch never-before-seen podcast videos. Enjoy 15% off with this promo code EPW Video 15 If you'd like to be in the know of all of our events, giveaways, and new episodes, head over to jenniferpilates.com and hit subscribe. Thank you so much for being a part of our Empowered Within community. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Empowered Within. A soul quenching, transformational podcast that will set your soul on fire. Through candid and inspiring conversations, leading experts, celebrities, healers, and I share our journeys of how we've overcome challenges to living an empowered life from within. I'm your host, Jennifer Pilates. Welcome to another episode of Empowered Within. Hi there and welcome to the show. Today's guest is Dr. James Perdue. He's the professor of perseverance. He's an award winning educator, a motivational and inspirational speaker, best selling author, life coach, and the host of the professor of perseverance podcast. James helps people to get out of their past and to step into their future. Welcome to the show, James.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on here, Jennifer. I love the opening with your music. Kind of reminds me of some of the old Nashville, Tennessee music.
0: Doesn't it? I always tell people. So growing up, I grew up in New England. But I always claim to be a Southern Belle because I was born in Baltimore. And I said, if you look closely, it's below the Mason-Dixon line. So I have a real Southern Belle in me, Mr. James.
1: Yeah, I I like that opening. There was a good little jingle with it.
0: (laughs) you. I appreciate it. Everyone, I am honored to have James with us. He is becoming a very good friend. We are podcast familia. I had the honor of being on his podcast and now I'm so honored to have him here today to share his inspirations and his incredible story with us. So with that, James, will you share how it all started for you? Because one day you woke up and as they say, life can change in the blink of an eye. You were playing football, and the next thing you know, you're waking up and you're a quadriplegic. How did that affect you?
1: And it was like for two weeks, whatever people want to believe, God, Mother Nature, universe. It was like it was giving me a signal for two weeks that I need to slow down and enjoy life. though things smell the roses. And I, I was one of them who wanted to be a professional athlete. I went through high school, and I was our most valuable player. And still, even today, I'm the only one person that got that award twice, my junior and senior year, and got a scholarship to go play baseball. And so for two weeks, it was like I was begging for something to make me slow down, whatever it was. And it was like two weeks before, we was riding around in a Jeep, and... Again, growing up, I used to think I was invincible. Nothing was going to stop me. I was going to get what I wanted because it was me. And here we're riding around in a Jeep. We're four wheeling. And that night I had one or two many, probably we'll say Coca-Cola's to drink that night. (laughs) And so I had some liquid courage. So I wanted to surf, stand on top of the roll bar as we're four wheeling. I'm invincible. Nothing's going to happen to me. Both knees up there, my hands up there. I got one foot up. I'm ready to go up, try to stand. We hit a, a, a hole as we we're four wheeling. All of a sudden, the Jeep hits hard. I go flying over the front of the Jeep. I hit my arm on the top of the windshield, land on the hood, and then on the ground. The Jeep stops about a foot and a half before running me over. I get home that night and my mom, I'm cleaning up this wound from the where my arm got cut going over to hit the windshield. And my mom says, if you don't stop doing the things you're doing, I'll be taking care of you the rest of your life. Mom, you worry too much. I said, you, you worry too much. I, I got this baseball career going. I'm going to be taking care of you the rest of your life. All right. And so that was about two weeks before. About a week before, a bunch of us in the neighborhood, we're playing softball. Yeah, my younger brother, he's seven years younger than me. He got mad about something. I don't know what it was. He got mad. He attacked me. And I, and I remember pushing him on the ground and said, the only way you'd be able to beat me up is if I'm in a wheelchair or laying in bed and can't defend myself. And so that's a week before. Three, four days before. I said when I first went to college, I went for three reasons, Jennifer. One was to be a professional athlete, hoping to play, get drafted. Then another two reasons was, and it didn't matter what order they came in, but the other two reasons was to meet women and party. That's the three reasons I went for college. I knew I'd never graduate, but it was for those three purposes, get drafted, meet as much women as possible, party. That was it. I met this girl there, and she was a nursing student. And we got to talking one day that my father died when I was 16, and so I had to grow up and be the man of the family. Mm-hmm. All right. So we, I wouldn't say that we were poor, but we were knocking on the door of being poor. And so my mom did the best we could to take care of three boys with her. But sometimes when it rained, we had a leak in the house. I had to be the man to get up on at 16 to find the hole in the roof, fix it, prepare it best I can. So it stopped leaking. If our cars broke down, I was the mechanic wintertime if a pipes froze at 14 degrees i'm underneath the house trying to find that to fix the water line so we have water in the winter so i told the girl "Say, said 20 days a lot of pressure can be put on me and something bad's gonna happen and she said you'll have to depend on someone else And so too many people depend on me i can't depend on other people all right that's a couple days for the day before now before we get to you about this quadriplegic thing I got to play one college game. I was the only freshman starting. Pretty good game. After the game was over with, my mom was there watching. My brother was there. My grandmother was there. My mom said, hey, come on home for the uh, weekend tonight. I'll drive you back down to school tomorrow. Come home, get a good meal. Now my mom, mom will go down with the other baseball players. I had a great game today. I said, right, the first step towards getting this uh, professional contract to play professional baseball, I said, I did the old thing that the guy with the Titanic and he said, even God himself can't sink this ship. And so I did the same thing. I told him nothing can stop me now. I'm invincible. Nothing's going to stop me. So I'm thinking of the Titanic. Nothing's going to stop the Titanic. Well, no, God didn't have to, that it was the uh, iceberg. He did it for him. All right. So nothing going to stop me. I'm invincible. I'm going to get this contract. The very next day, we're playing football, just a backyard football game on campus, no pa- helmets, no pads, but we were playing tackle football. About five plays before we had my injury, about five plays, you're going to love this, Jennifer, a guy tackles and hit this other guy up high. Oh, no. he's, he's tackling up high. And I remember yelling, man, the way you're playing, you're going to break someone's neck out here. Oh. Five plays later, my team got the ball back, and I said, "Hey, I'm done playing for today. We've been after about two hours. I need to get my stuff ready for class the next day." So I walked out of the huddle. I got maybe ten feet away, and I heard someone say, "We need someone to run the ball." I stopped, turned around. I said, "All right, I'll come back for one more play so I can run the ball." I handed the ball off to me. I broke a couple of tackles, scored a touchdown. And Jennifer, when I scored a touchdown, the game, the, the play's over. No more. Well, I was putting the ball down. I was turning back towards everyone. Then I saw something in my peripheral vision on my right side. Had no idea what it was. You saw something. I felt contact up high, and I heard a loud pop. And both of us go to the ground. So the play was over when I scored a touchdown. But this one guy, the five plays the earlier, said, the way you're playing, you're going to break someone's neck. He continued making the play when it was over with after I scored a touchdown. And that day, only one of us come to our feet. And, Jennifer, I'll give you a hint. I was not one of the – that came up. Oh. I was paralyzed instantly.
0: Oh, my gosh, James. Wow. So what happened? Did they call 911, call an ambulance?
1: One guy, when I went down, I tried to get up. Because right, I was going to beat this guy up. I was invincible. When I heard that pop, I thought my collarbone on my right side got broken. I didn't know it was my vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to get up. When I lift my head, nothing followed. My head came off the ground. Nothing followed. Shoulders didn't come up. My arms didn't come up. My legs didn't come up. I put my head down. Tried again. And then, of course, you was saying three is a charm. Right. I took a deep breath and tried the third time. And then I knew instantly then this was serious. And so I couldn't get up. So one guy, he was at school there. Of course, I don't know, back in 1983, I don't know if it's called paramedics or EMTS or whatever Mm -hmm. they were called then. He was going to school to be a paramedic or MTS, whatever they are. And so all of a sudden I remember hear him barking, yelling Hey, run to my room, give me a my blanket and get my stethoscope and my blood pressure kit and bring me pencil and pad. And he's trying to take all his stuff. That way, when the ambulance does get there, he has vital signs to give to him and, and tell him. He's taking notes. You can't uh, move your arms and legs. You can't feel. You can't. And take my blood pressure, mm-hmm. keep me calm, not to go into shock. And, yeah, he was awesome. I didn't get his name. I wish I had got to meet him again. And, yeah, so, yeah, yeah they called the ambulance and took me to the hospital. And I knew I was paralyzed. Of it's obvious when you can't move, you knew it. But it it made me think about this man that I met named JT. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, he used to go visit my grandfather in a nursing home. And one day I went to go visit. And all of a sudden, about two rooms before I got to my grandfather, I'm walking past, and all of a sudden, this guy hollers, hey, buddy, come here. So I go into the room, and there's this guy, mid-30s, and he's curled up in bed like this, and he's paralyzed. I didn't know it until he says, hey, could you hold that glass so I can get some water? And so I held the water and a straw for him, and then I found out later he'd been paralyzed in a car accident. So I'm thinking of JT, thinking he's in a nursing home because he's paralyzed. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be in a nursing home at the age of 19. In a nursing home is what I'm thinking then. So I'm in the hospital. For some reason, while they're taking x-rays and stuff, they wouldn't tell me anything. And they're doing the old prick test. Can you feel sharp or dull and everything? And But they don't tell me anything. So in the small county we were in, the hospital... They were sending me back to Nashville two hours away. So I'm waiting to go there. But wouldn't you know it, the girl nursing student that I met walks by me and I said, Hey, and I forgot her name now. And she said, What are you doing here? I said, I'm paralyzed. When my neck's broken. And I guess she didn't believe me. She said, What? And I said, Yeah, I can't move or anything. I said, I said, I was playing football, and I got hit. And then she picked up the paperwork that was on my bed, and and she didn't say much other than, well, yeah, they're sending you to Nashville and up to St. Thomas Hospital. And, and she didn't say anything about what the anything said. And she just says, I'll pray for the best for you. And that was about it. Never saw her again either.
0: Wow. So how did your life transform at that point, even though you're still in that state of shock? How, what happens when you get to Nashville and how do the dynamics change with you and your family at that point?
1: Riding the ambulance up there and I'm thinking about wanting to have this professional career. I wanted to get my mom a house that won't leak. Get the family, brothers and everybody, all of us, new cars so we'll have to get mechanics every time we turn around. And even my mom, of course, I tell you, my dad died when I was 16. And so I wanted to get, to you back then, you used to get what's called a, a, mail-order bride. I was going with my mom, a mail-order groom. So I was just, uh, so we're driving back uh, back to Nashville in and I'm thinking of oh, this stuff I want to do that I won't be able to do now. And then I'm thinking being in a nursing home at 19 years old, the JT. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anybody else paralyzed in my life. And so I'm thinking JT and I would be in this nursing home. And so we get into Nashville, at least then they're more open and I remember asking the doctor, I said, hey, doc, how bad is this? And Because me being invincible, even though when he said it's bad enough, you'll never walk again, possibly not be able to move from your neck down. And I'm thinking, mm, that's pretty bad. And But even when he said that, because I've had this invincibility attitude, I figured my baseball career was over with. I figured that out. But I always, at that very beginning, thought I would be walking, though. Maybe walking with a limp, walking slow. But I always thought, because of me being invincible, I'd be up walking. I was wrong about that one, too, huh? I was in the hospital for three months, and left, as soon as I left there, went to a rehab in Birmingham. Left Nashville, and they sent me all the way to Birmingham for rehab for one month. And I didn't like it there. One, my attitude stunk, okay, and... I wanted physical therapy because at that point, I got hurt on September 11th. I tell people I had 911 before the country did. Mine was 1983. The country was 2001. And I, but September 11th, I got hurt. Halloween night, started moving muscles in my leg. I was excited. I called a nurse and said, can't you feel this? At first, he thought it was a muscle spasm. I said, no, listen to this. Watch, I'm not moving. I said, "Now I'm going to move it. Then I'd make the, like, the muscle move. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, it's going to move again. Now it's going to again. Now I'm not. And I was telling them, well, I'm getting excited. So when I heard I was going to Birmingham to his rehab, I thought, man, here we'll get my chance to start walking again. Okay. They And I understand it now, but I didn't understand it then, that they try to teach you in physical therapy and stuff how to live in the wheelchair. Right. How to redress yourself because the odds are walking is very small. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, some people have come back and walked, okay? But the odds of it happening is very meniscus. <laughs>
0: What if it was possible to have local fresh groceries delivered right to your door? Think of all the free time you'd have. Well, Instacart gives unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. Forgot that special ingredient in your favorite dish? Instacart can deliver it to your front door in as fast as one hour. You can shop multiple stores, see deals in your area, and save time and money. I've been using Instacart for over three years. I started using them in Arizona, and I'm using them here in Florida. I love the time-saving convenience. They pick the freshest products, and they keep my eggs safe, too. To receive your first delivery free, follow the link in the show notes so that Instacart knows that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. Eating better is the key to better health, and Mother Nature offers us all the right ingredients. Eating a healthy, balanced diet that includes plenty of fruits and vegetables isn't always easy in today's lifestyle. That's why Juice Plus offers Mother Nature's gift in convenient, easy-to-consume products that are as close to nature as they possibly could be. Plant-based nutrition from fruits and vegetables has been demonstrated by science to give your body the building blocks it needs to help you look better and feel better and live a longer and healthier life. Juice Plus products offer to improve heart health, the immune system, skin health, and other important aspects of health and wellness. I personally have been taking Juice Plus Whole Food Nutrition for over 20 years. I swear by it. It's exactly what I need to help me keep my immune system healthy as it possible. Possibly can be. Juice Plus Promise is simple. It helps bridge the gap between what you should eat and what you do eat every day. Nothing more, nothing less. Follow the link in the show notes so that Juice Plus knows that we sent you and to help support the show. Juice Plus, plant-based nutrition from fruits and vegetables, offers Mother Nature's gift to help you look better and feel better and live a longer and healthier life.
1: And so I didn't like trying to eat with a fork that's strapped on my hand instead of me picking it up and then trying to teach me to dress and how to transfer in and out of a chair. I wanted, because I'm starting to move my muscles, but like, y'all should get these muscles stronger. That's your job. And they didn't do it. They, that wasn't their goal. Their goal is to teach it, to live in a wheelchair. But we got home and then my family, we started our own physical therapy program, basically. And within a year I was able to stand on my own and walk with a walker for 10 minutes.
0: That is amazing. So fast forward to today. What is your day-to-day life now?
1: Living in the wheelchair. Again, just try to live life the best possible. Try to encourage other people to speak, tell my a story, help other people to continue on. Life is not as bad as we think it is, even when we're going through the darkness. Okay. And it's so great that when you look through the dark tunnel and you see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we know that light is not a train coming on, then we know that there's something worth living for and find that purpose in life and then be able to share with other people and teach them how to be able to share with other people how to have a better life. Mm -hmm.
0: Are you ready to lose inches, increase strength, and tone your body from head to toe? Are you ready for a total body, mind, and spirit transformation? I am excited to announce that I am launching my exclusive 8-week Pilates return to life training program. This will give you an opportunity to have a total body, mind, and spirit transformation of health and wellness to a new lifestyle. Imagine in 7 days you will feel a difference, in 14 days you will see a difference, and in 8 weeks you will have your new Pilates body. So what do you say? Want to join me on the mat? Head over to jenniferpilates.com today. Space is limited. Use a special promo code EW and the word special, EW special, to receive $200 off while space is available. Head on over to jenniferpilates.com and I'll see you on the mat. How did you keep your mindset so positive through everything? Because you're very young, so you definitely had that going for you, only being 19. But then, I mean, we fast forward, so you're not quite 19 anymore. Maybe you're 22, Wink. How do you keep your mindset so positive?
1: In the first five years, I didn't realize that how how much of a depression I was in until I got out of it. I did the old hiding my depression away from my family because I don't want them worrying about me. Again, because I was going to provide for them, and I hear they are doing everything for me. And so I would try to just put the old fake face on and smile. But when I went to bed, my mind's wandering. I'm mean, just going on. What kind of life do I got here? What's going on? How am I going to be able to work and do anything? How? Am I, yeah, so all that. But I didn't realize how bad it was until I finally got out of it. I went to 18 different rehabs in five years looking for that place to walk again, 18 rehab and five. And every time I come back, I was more depressed and anger because it didn't happen. But again, I had to hide it from everybody else around me. That takes a lot emotionally as well from this. But what had happened when I finally went to that last rehab, it wasn't a lie then, but it ended up being a lie. I told my mom and brothers said, if I'm going to have any type of life, I need to go back to college and this time actually study and get a degree I said because I don't know any, and at the time I didn't know anybody paralyzed. And I said, so I don't know how many people that are making a living without a degree. And so I went back to, cause I wanted to get into coaching. So I went back and got the teacher's license and my coach, so I can coach. And so I said, not that I'm giving up on walking, but we're going to put it on the back burner. I got to do other things. And whenever other opportunities come up, we'll go back and visit this. It It wasn't a lie at that time, but it ended up being a lie. Because once we put it behind me, I've never gone to another rehab for the purpose of trying to walk. Now, I've gone back to therapy to try to strengthen my arms and other things, but not for the purpose of walking. So it ended up being a lie, but it was a lie that we all lived with.
0: Mm -hmm. That's incredible. You look so healthy. Whatever you're doing is clearly working for you. You You're so healthy. Look at you. You look great.
1: I'm too healthy. I need to lose some weight. This Christmas weight is already catching up with me.
0: It's (laughs) happened. I think people are calling that the COVID situation, the COVID, the the extra COVID there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're human. Uh, I think it's happened to all of us a little bit.
1: So, hey, at one point, we go back. I mentioned that to tell people that when a doctor said I'll never walk again, and I told you I got where we were walking with a walker for 10 minutes, uh, put up for that 10 minutes, I felt like I run a mile. And because uh, my muscles are fighting against me with spasms and everything. And I did make a liar out of the doctors for 10 full minutes. It was just the other 23 hours and 50 minutes. They were correct.
0: Oh, wow. So tell me, James, so you went back to college. You're amazing. You become the professor of perseverance. How did that name come about? How did that process happen for you?
1: Do you want me still be honest about everything? Or you want me to? I'll
0: take your honesty.
1: <laughs> I, even when life is going better than you would imagine being in a wheelchair, because I thought I'd be in a nursing home while I was working on my doctorate degree. i had been coaching a girls basketball team at my school. Uh, you can see behind me here. We won a state championship one year. We were in the our county championship game 12 out of 15 years. We didn't win them all, but we won probably half, lost half of the championship game, but at least we were there. It, I'm working on a doctoral degree and everything, and we let that uh, life come and kick me in the teeth again, and I attempted suicide three times in three days. Wanted to get out. That's how bad I wanted out. What had happened was is, Right before school was starting one year, my shoes was underneath my dresser and they'd been underneath there all summer. So the day I'm getting ready to go back to school to go teach and coach, put the shoes out. And I saw a spider web in the bottom of the inside of the shoe, one of my shoes. So I took a rag and got the spider web out and didn't think of spraying anything, killing anything. because I didn't see anything moving. Sure enough, got bit by a brown recluse on the bottom of my foot. And by the time we knew what was going on, there was a sore blister about the size of a tennis ball. And so they had to cut all that dead tissue away. Then they told me, said, don't stand on your foot because you're going to break the new tissue growing. So now this standing I used to be able to do after six months of not standing, I lost the strength to stand. So now I'm feeling like a burden to my family because they're having to help me get into bed. I could get out of bed. I just couldn't get into bed. And then I needed help dressing. Then I needed help getting in the shower. And it, so now I'm feeling like a burden because of the way I used to do everything. I used to be able to stand, pivot, sit. Stand, Got pivot, it. sit mm-hmm. to transfer. Now I'm having to really transfer with help. So I'm feeling like a burden. This is going on for about a year now. My younger brother, he was what's called a functional alcoholic. He was the one I said earlier, seven years younger than me, and tried to attack me and everything. He was a functional alcoholic. And one day we noticed he was jaundiced, wasn't looking good. And so we took him to the hospital to get looked and evaluated, he kept me in the hospital for a week. And they told him that if he continued drinking the way he was, they gave him a 10% chance of living five years. Wow. He was not a mechanic So he worked on our cars, everybody else's cars. So they told him when they were evaluating him that they found a hernia that he had developed and a bleeding ulcer in his stomach. And they said, being a mechanic, don't pick up anything heavy so you don't break your hernia or bust it or your ulcer. Well, One night I couldn't get into bed. So I had to call him and he came over and helped me in bed. That night he died. And I felt responsible for his death because what the hospital to tell him, don't pick up anything heavy. And so he helped me in bed. He died that night. I felt responsible for his death. And now feeling feel like a burden and killed my brother. A few months later, again, I attempted suicide three times in three days to get out of here. Oh,
0: James, I'm so sorry.
1: But let's just let's push it on to the lighter side. Obviously, I didn't die the first day. I took um two packs of Sudafed 48 pills and then Sudafed to say don't take no more than six doses or mm-hmm. six pills or eight pills in a 24 hour period. Okay, I took 48 of them in 38 minutes, 48 pills in three minutes, and they say don't take even when you take a regular dosage. Don't operate it either. Then you say operate your vehicle or heavy machinery because it causes Mm -hmm. drowsiness. And so I'm taking 48 pills so I can get drowsy and just sleep. So I get out of my wheelchair and lay on the floor. That way, if I start feeling bad, I don't get on the phone and call 911. All I got was a daggum headache. My brother, older brother comes and finds me on the floor. So now I had to lie to him while I'm on the floor. As I dropped my glasses, I was trying to pick them up, fell. All right. So then, and so during that time when I took the pills, I had written all my suicide letter to send to my mom. And she just lived down the road from me. But I wanted to send it to her. I wasn't going to hand it to her. My bank accounts, everything in there for her to get to it. And so made my phone calls to friends that were teachers. This is on the weekend. So I knew they left a message on their machines at school, not at home. That way, Monday morning, they will get it when they come in. And leave my messages to them. And so that one first night, 48 pills, all I got was a daggum headache. The very next day was Super Bowl day. It was the day the New England Patriots were undefeated playing the Giants. I called earlier that morning to a pharmacist, say, Insomnia, I can't sleep, what do you recommend? And they said, Benadryl. But I sent all my credit cards, debit cards, everything to my mom in the mail. All I had was enough to buy one pack of Benadryls. So... 48 pills from the day before, now 24 of the Benadryls. Don't operate heavy machinery, cars, cars. All I do is sleep and miss the daggum Super Bowl and the Giants beating the undefeated Patriots and woke up hearing people screaming about, I mean, I say people, the TV mm-hmm. <laughs> with the upset. And all they do is sleep and miss it.
0: Oh, my <laughs> gosh, James.
1: So the very next morning now, this is Monday morning, now the teachers are getting to school and they're getting their messages that I left. Now they're calling my house at five, uh, five 30 and six in the morning, seven, six 30. What's going on, James? What are you doing here? The principal's calling because the teachers did called, and told her. And I said, y'all are just worrying too much. I just telling people, thank you for them helping me for me being there and just thinking, I said, y'all are getting that out. Now I don't have any money to buy anything else. So I go in my van and start it up to suck carbon monoxide in the garage. So I start it up, get out of my van, lay on the floor. So again, so if I'm feeling bad, I don't get out. And so I'm sucking this carbon monoxide and everything. And then after about two hours, the uh, van just turns off. I guess it's got a, a program. If it didn't got enough oxygen to shut off. And so now I'm laying there thinking, oh, great. Now I'm going to have enough carbon dioxide. It's going to cause brain damage. And now I'm going to be more of a burden That's what I'm thinking. Apparently, I finally pass out. Someone comes to visit me. They find me in there. They said I wasn't breathing. They said they didn't know 911. So they're slapping me in the face. And they call for an ambulance. And the ambulance gets over there and they work on me. And they told him, says, hey, uh, if it had been about 10 more minutes, he'd have been dead. And so they put me in a hyperbaric chamber in the hospital for four hours where they're forcing the carbon monoxide out and the oxygen into my body. And it was in the hospital for seven weeks. And Jennifer, do you know when you live through a suicide attempt, they make you see a psychiatrist?
0: Well, I would hope so.
1: You, they make you see. All right. So I had to see a psychologist for a year. And it was him that told me, he said, you know, God didn't take you for whatever reason. You still have a purpose. You still have something that he wants you to fulfill. He says, I think part of it is he left you here to tell your story, to tell how you got your neck broke, to tell what you did to get through where you're at, and it's to spread the message. And this guy here, he was also a, a speaker as well. He spoke professionally. And a well, he's one to recommend starting Toastmasters, get into the National Speakers Association of Tennessee, and get trained to do. It. And so it's through this, through the living the suicide, has got me into the speaking. He said you need to write a book about this to people want to read it, and he's one to advise all that. And then over a years time, the YouTube channel came, and then the podcast has come. So. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. Congratulations to you. That is quite a turnaround. You've been through so much and clearly God was not letting you go. You are meant to be on this earth. You have a lot more work to do here. And I, for one, am blessed and grateful that I've gotten to meet you and be on your podcast and honored to have you here today.
1: And it's because you on my podcast has made me look so good.
0: <laughs> oh stop it now. <laughs>
1: so it was your story and your inspiration that made me look so good on the thing that I got you there. So I know, obviously um, and, and I wouldn't say I'm the number one spiritual religious person out there. I jump ship as often and more as everybody. Uh, but I get my little thumpings to get right back in line mm-hmm. uh, where I need to, and I understand. I understand that I'm not perfect, but I try my best and go from air and try to stay the straight and narrow. I veer off, and but we get back, and yeah, I definitely believe it. For whatever reason, didn't go. It's yeah, he, he still has something planned, and you uh, know maybe it's just this podcast to get other people's uh, platform, put a platform for them to be able to get their message, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's just not all for me.
0: Absolutely. So being the professor of perseverance, what are your three Ps of success?
1: And then let me go back and answer the professor of perseverance. You did ask how I got that. Mm -hmm. I took a long ways to get to that. All right. So what happened is I was in the national speaker association Mm -hmm. and we used to have meetings once a month. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys there named John Beatley, I just had him on my podcast last night. and But John, one day, all of a sudden, he says, he's behind me. And he goes, Professor of Perseverance. I don't know he's talking to me. <laughs> he said, Professor of Perseverance. I still don't know he's talking to me. Finally, he said, James. I said, hey, John, how's it going, man? He said, you're the Professor of Perseverance. I said, What? And uh, he said, you're the professor of perseverance. I said, I don't get it. He said, you got a doctoral degree, don't you? I said, yeah, so you're a professor. All right. And you want to talk about persevering, don't you? Yeah, you're the professor of perseverance. I said, wow. So that's how I come about getting that. And we just tell people, pop. And one day, a little funny, funny little story here is I was going by, uh, driving through where I live, and we have a Popeye's chicken Place And boy, I love Popeye's. And so we went through there and one day. It's getting quite not quite dark, but it's getting right there. And I looked over there, and their sign was on. The P.O.P. was lit up. But eyes E.Y.E.S. wasn't whatever. Something happened that it but the P.O.P. was lit. And I stopped to take a picture and said, look, even Popeye's is advertising for the Professor of Perseverance.
0: That's fabulous. Those are some significant signs right there. When you question, like, why am I here? What am I doing? And someone names you and then you literally see your name in lights. It doesn't get more clear than that.
1: i tell you what, and then like you were just saying, when do you get this affirmation or that the reason why you're doing what you're doing and stuff, okay, there was twice, about a year apart, my speaking wasn't going like I wanted it was going all right but it wasn't going like i wanted it. and twice i said hey i'm done with the speaking stuff so it's going to do something different and it's both times god says yeah that's funny boy let me tell you what you have done with this twice again about a year apart the first one a girl comes by and she looks at my service dog says hey there's ricardo and i says oh you met ricardo before i said he meets so many people i forget who she says no i hadn't met him but he's on the front of your book right?" And I said, well, yeah. She said, well, I read your book. And then whenever I hear someone say they read my book, I always ask a couple of questions. Hey, how'd you get my book? Did someone refer it to you? Did you Google inspiration, motivational books or something? And it come up. Did you find it laying in a trash can, in the gutter on the street somewhere? And uh, so I'll hold off on how she found it. Because a year later, same thing. I'm tired of this. I'm not getting what I wanted. I'm not speaking like, God, I'm done. Forget this same thing. I go to the store. All of a sudden, I hear someone going, Mr. Purdue. And usually, when I hear Mr. Purdue, I think it's a former student. So I turn around, don't recognize the guy. He says, I just want to let you know I've read your book four times. I didn't say it out loud to him, but to me, I said, Yeah, boy, you read my book four times. That's a lie. I said it to myself and then said it to him, I said, well, I appreciate that, man. I said, If you don't mind, how did you get the book? Same thing finding a trash can. Did you order it? Someone referred to it or whatever. Now here's where both of them are your part. Both of them said this right here to me. I was locked up in the county correctional center or jail. Your book is in the library. My book is in the library of the county jail system. And when he told me that, I said, maybe you did read it four times. All right. And so I didn't say that to him. I just thought it to myself. But twice, God's going, let me show you what's happening with what you're doing, whether you know it or not. And he gave me those two examples. So now the old thing is, as long as I can help one person and we don't have to know who that one person is, we just go on, go with it now. And the three Ps, now we'll get back to that, Jennifer. I believe in, and actually, I think I got to five one time, but three main Ps is to persevere. All right. Keep moving forward. They say, I tell people, I don't care if you're moving at a snail's pace, as long as you're going for, you don't have to be the rabbit, all right? You don't even have to be the turtle in the, in the race. You be the snail as long as you're moving forward. I don't care how slow it is and you're going in the direction of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, what your purpose is in life, moving forward to all accounts, all right? And then if you feel like, hey, it seems like every time I take two steps forward I, I take one step backwards and i go cool that's even better too even though you take two and you one back you still want into good all right it's when you go two steps forward and then you're 10 step backwards. now you need to reevaluate and find things out okay now the other p because perseverance one the other p is we would have to have what i call uh partners in life all right people that are going to be around us that's going to support us that's going to help us achieve our purpose. Okay. And, and purpose to be found in, in here as well. So now you found your purpose, you find your people, your partners in life, and that's going to people be, be people that's gone through what you're going through. They've already been there. They can give you some advice on what to do. You find organizations, associations, other people read magazines, read articles, read books, watch movies. that has something to do with what you're doing. And then get on the old internet. The whole world is at at the base of our fingertips now. There's plenty of information of what you need to find for this purpose and for people to help you, for this with partners. Then once you help, uh, they've helped you, you got to turn around and help someone else. You got to teach them everything. All right. And then the last thing I say, you got to be able to I say pray, whatever people want else want to say, meditate, get off on your own, do your own thing, whatever it is. I'm not saying you have to be spiritual religious. That's up to you to uh, do all that. But I'm saying for me, it's to pray and then go from there.
0: Those are really great. I love those. Those you can use uh, those in every day in life, personally, professionally. <laughs> It's here, our Empowered Within bonus clips and behind-the-scenes videos from podcast episodes. You can check out the pre-show, the post-show, and everything in between that doesn't actually make it into the podcast episodes. Head over to jenniferpilates.com, click podcast, and click watch videos, and you can watch never-before-seen podcast videos. Enjoy 15% off with this promo code Video 15
1: We also will uh, teach uh, the ABCs. So it's, I tell people it's easy to remember the, the ABCs. They're easy. Just think of Michael Jackson when he used to sing ABC. You go, ABC is the easiest one, two, three. It, I can't sing good enough like Michael Jackson. But, <laughs> and, but if you ever notice in song, he never goes past C, does he? Yeah. He don't go all the way to Z. It's ABC. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, A, here's where we need to accept our adversities. Whatever challenge is, whatever the problem is, whatever the situation is, whatever the difficulty, we need to accept that adversity. Because sooner we accept it, the sooner we can start healing and moving forward. I took five years of being depressed because I wanted to find that cure to walk. What would have happened if I took three years to be depressed and two years earlier start where I'm at? Who knows? Okay. But we could heal and move forward the quicker we can accept the adversity. And B, now let's begin the battle. And how do we do that? Same thing with partners. Find someone that's been through it. Find organizations to help you. Find other people that's going to teach you. Again, read magazines, articles, internet, blogs. Again, watch movies that's going to benefit you. And then again, last thing. Now C is conquer the challenge. And then go from there. And then you're going to teach other people how to do it as well.
0: Those are great. That is very empowering advice and insights. Thank you for that. I know that's going to help our listeners around the world immensely. Again, same thing in all areas of life, personally, professionally, whatever you're going through, those apply.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's not meant just for the professional or speaking or whatever you want to do. Yeah, again, it's the same thing just in life. If overall, generally, you're using it for life, it's going to fall in place in other areas.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. James, we're getting to this point in the show where I ask you this one special question. Are you ready?
1: I am ready. (laughs) All
0: right. What is one thing that no one knows about Dr. James Perdue?
1: That I have to think about. There's a lot of things people don't know. But the one thing I would like them to know is about my service dog, Ricardo, that's the one thing is him. I The reason I got him was one day I was transferring out of bed in my wheelchair. And my wheelchair that day had a mind of its own and left. And I fell and hit the floor like a sack of potatoes. The position I was in, I couldn't roll over to get to the phone that caused someone to help me off the floor. And it was three feet away. and I couldn't move to position I was in. So I had to drag myself from my bedroom to the living room, which only took me two and a half hours for me to get there, to get to the phone, all right? And it's after getting help, I was at school, had bruises and cuts from digging in the carpet to get there. And one teacher said, uh, oh, well, a teacher said, she says, well, you ought to get one of them dogs to help you bring a phone to you. I said, we did fill out the applications 10 years ago, but I thought there's people worse shape than me needed it, and I didn't send it in. And she did the old uh, Dr. Phil's, how's that working out for you? And so we ended up getting Ricardo, and one day I was transferring. I'm half on my chair, half off. I'm afraid I'm going to hit the floor now. And I, Ricardo, and I dropped my cell phone and went under my bed. And I'm going, Oh, what am I going to do now? I don't want to get on the floor and have to do all that dragging. I go, Oh, I got Ricardo. Come here, buddy. And I'm I for him. He comes in to me. I said, Ricardo, get the phone under the bed. Boy, he dives underneath that bed and everything. I see that tail just a wagon. A Thousand uh, miles an hour. And I'm going, yes, yes, said, get it, boy. He backs out and everything. And he's got his squeaky toy just is squeaking away. And I'm going, Ricardo, no, that's not my phone. And I took it from him. <laughs> I said, get the phone. He goes down there and he's done it there again. His tail just a wagging away. I'm going, yes. He backs out of there and he's got his water bottle he plays. Ricardo, i didn't know you had all your stuff under my bed get the phone get the phone he goes on the third time he comes back with that phone and everything and we was able to call someone to help me before i hit the ground
0: oh so, my gosh god bless ricardo
1: ricardo oh. he's the man so
0: he is you, the man
1: you wouldn't believe he he's our walmart the store I mentioned there until i went to, take him walking at walmart and he's our local walmart mascot Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Yeah, he's the man. That's for sure.
0: Oh, that's so great. Now, how long have you had Ricardo?
1: Uh, He's thirteen now. I've had him for eleven years. Wow. I got him when he was two.
0: Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, he he
1: is. He, he, you wouldn't believe. He has helped me, and because when I hit the floor that time and took me two and a half hours, every time I was transferring, then I was dreading it. And I bet you one time, 12 times in a month, I'd be half on the chair and half off and had to call before hit the ground, call for paramedics to come help me. 12 times in one month, I bet you. When I got him, it was like the confidence came back because I knew if I did fall, I wouldn't have to drag myself. He'd give me the phone. And I think only in all these years, once I've had to call someone to help me, that was that one day from there. But you wouldn't believe going to the store and people just want to, and and we were told if you want someone to meet him, it's up to you. If you don't want to, he's working. Then you just say, no, he's working. I can't allow him to be distracted with you, but I'm sorry. And, but I took it in the thing I can introduce Ricardo. give advertisement to the canine companions for independence and, and share with them to help other people. I said, plus, I can share my story with people meeting Ricardo. So I had this greediness. We're going to share him so I can <laughs> promote myself and them. And But you wouldn't believe how many people come up and want to hug on him and, and play with him right there in the store. And then they start crying because they had put their dog down six months earlier or a year late, earlier. And they are so sad. And, and they thank me for sharing him with them. And, but he's been a blessing, that's for sure.
0: Oh, what a blessing. Thank you for sharing Ricardo with us today. As a fur baby mama, I completely understand the connection. It's, there are babies.
1: Yeah, that's him. <laughs> oh,
0: they truly are. James, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your story and your inspirations with us today. This has been such an amazing show. Thank you so very much.
1: Thank you for having me. And we hope that the one person shares and help someone else. And Hey, that's what we're here for is I believe is a big part is where to help each other as much as possible, which more people would believe in that or do that. But yeah, I wish it was, we, we all, and I believe we all have a talent. We all have something we can serve and give. We don't have to always be money to give away to help someone. We have some certain talent, we can help someone. Again, if my neighbor, an elderly person, Needed a yard mow. I couldn't do it this in a wheelchair, but I could find someone to mow it for. Okay. Right. And so we all have some type of gift that we can help someone that won't cost you anything, but your gift. So everybody share your gift.
0: That's a beautiful sentiment. Thank you for sharing that, James. Well, and as always, all of James' contact information will be over in our show notes on jenniferpilates.com, all of his contact information so that you can get in touch. You can read his book and you can see Ricardo on the front cover of his book. The
1: Mm -hmm. book is called One More Play because I went back for that one more play. One more play. So it's titled the book and you'll see Ricardo in the front of it.
0: Oh, I love that! One more play. We'll be sure that will be highlighted. There'll be links so that you can go and purchase the book, and you can support Ricardo and James. Thank you again, James. You're amazing. Your story, your insights, your motivation. I love you for being here. Thank you so much for being so authentic and opening your heart to all of us.
1: Thank you. I'm just trying to be like
0: you. Amazing. I want to grow
1: up. I'm to grow up and be like you. So.
0: You're so sweet. Thank you, James. Well, as we say, everyone, until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Empowered Within with Jennifer Pilates. Your feedback is important. It helps me to connect with you and gives me insight into who you are and what you're enjoying about the show. For today's show notes and discount codes from today's sponsors, head over to jenniferpilates.com. Until next time, may you live an empowered life from within.